0: Again, as I mentioned at the start of the service this morning, I understand that as we honor and we celebrate Mother's Day, I also understand that for some, Mother's Day can be a difficult day, and I do want to respect that as well. And so, but we are going to spend some time, and we're going to honor and we're going to celebrate the mothers we have that God has blessed our church with, because we have so many wonderful mothers here this morning and throughout our church Uh, in this community. And so, again, Happy Mother's Day to each and every one of you. And I've tried my best as I've gone around this morning to just say that as I've just greeted and just tried to say Happy Mother's Day because I know and I'm getting the opportunity now firsthand to see the difficulties and the challenge that it is to be a mother and to see the challenges that it is as, as we raise a little one now. To see what it's like to truly be a mother and all that comes with that, right? But here I've got a question, right? How many of you in here this morning have or have at some point in your life had a mom? <laughs> right? Every single one of us put our hand up, right? Because every single one of us have had or still have mom, right that, that, that that's a pretty obvious question each and every one of us and so but this morning as we talk about a mother's heart kind of the subtitle of the message would be a heart full of grace a heart full of grace this morning and so but that's right each and every one of us have or had a mom at one point in time, in our lives. The mothers are so celebrated in part because why? Because they're universal, because each and every one of us have one. We all come from a mother. And we've all been impacted in one way, whether that's for better or for worse, by a mother in our life. We have joy or we have potentially pain that comes when we think of our mother in our lives. So today, even as we celebrate the mothers who are here with us in our midst this morning, I want to invite each of you to listen to the message I have. Because the examples that are drawn from motherhood, or the examples we're going to use this morning are drawn from motherhood in Scripture. But the examples are not just to apply to mothers. or The message this morning is not just for mothers. It's a message for all of us, as it's a message about grace this morning. But why grace? Why, why did I pick the topic of grace? Because as we celebrate the great joy of motherhood, we must also acknowledge the potential to reach the same measure of deep pain that can come with motherhood. Deep pain can come with motherhood. And what helps with that is the grace that mothers not only experience, but the deep grace that mothers often give out to the family. As every good Hallmark card tells us, a mother's love cannot be compared to any other love. Right? There's no other love like a mother's love. I would say with the exception of, of God's love, right? Yeah, there's nothing that compares to God's love. But in the earthly realm, there is really no other love like a mother's love, when we look at it from an earthly perspective. But the same, and also, you could say, would be true of a mother's love. Pain. There's really no pain that is like that of a mother's pain, right? You think all the way back to the first lady that walked down the earth. Think of Eve, right? She's the first mother, the first female. She she surely experienced the greatest joy of all when she gave birth to the very first child, right? But she was also the one who experienced the very first great pain in the world when she had to be the first mother to bury her own child at the expense of being murdered by her own son, right? Great joy with deep pain being connected to it. And what about Mary, right? Think of Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? Probably the most famous mother in all of Scripture, Imagine the incredible joy that Mary experienced knowing that she was going to give birth to who? To God's son, the Savior of the world, yet knowing that must have paled in comparison to knowing that one day she was going to have to go through the pain and confusion of seeing his life and ministry unfold ending with him being put upon a cross and being crucified, of having to watch and witness her son being crucified upon a cross. Again, great joy connected with deep pain being experienced in motherhood. You see, in motherhood, we often imagine that pain comes first, right? We think of the pain comes in the labor, right? And then the joy comes in the child that you get to receive after the the pain of labor, Which that is true. That is a real thing in and of that part of it, the delivery of the baby. Well, that's true. It's a very limited view of one short little part of the story. What they don't tell you is that the labor in labor and delivery classes is that that's a cycle that is just the beginning of all of it. It's not over when you finish pushing and the baby is born in that moment. When you're handed that bundle of joy in your arms, a cycle of joy and pain has just begun. Labor is lifelong, except that there's no epidural option after that point. Right? There's no more option of, hey, I need more pain medicine at this point. Right? Just the deep breaths as you walk through the ups and downs of life. Every mother's heart has been both full and broken at the same time over and over and over again. Right? I can look around the room and, and I know some of the stories of your mothers and I, I can see it and I go, I know it. Your hearts have been full, but yet they've been broken because I think of the stories of your children and I think of the stories of what you've experienced. Right? Some of you are nodding right now. You know what I mean, by this. But if we're honest, The same can be said for each of us, not just mothers. The same can be said for all of us in different areas of our lives. We live, why? Because we live in a broken world. Therefore, our lives are continually marked by great joy and deep pain. We live in a world that has great joy and deep pain in it. So how do we respond to it? That's the question. How do we respond to this great joy and deep pain that's evident in the world around us today? Well, I want to challenge each of us to learn from three different mothers that we're going to look at today. To live by grace and to live with an open hand. To live by grace and to learn how to live with an open hand. Not with a closed hand, but to learn how to live with an open hand. That is to accept God's grace, which is the unmerited favor of God's love and the gifts He brings into our lives. Then instead of grasping onto the gifts and the love that God has given us, We have an open hand. We learn to say, you know what? As God brings them into my life, God will will take them out and He will bring other things into my life. (laughs) We don't just simply hold on to them, knowing that as God brings them in, He'll take them out and He'll bring other things into my life. Continually, we're not trying to pry on to the things God has brought into our life, knowing that God will continually bring new things into our life. But that's not an easy task. When God brings things into our life, we want to hold on to them forever. We want to cling on to them and say, if God brought these into my life, I'm going to hold on to them. But the only way to keep letting go is to hold tighter to God. we hold tighter to God, our hand will naturally open up and allow God to do more and more And so to do this, we're going to look at a couple of of ladies in the Bible that are not exactly the most popular Bible characters. In fact, there's one of them that I'm going to guess that many of us here this morning, we may not even know her name. This may be the first time you've ever heard her name this morning. These are not moms that we look at and we go, man, these are the ones we heard about in Sunday school. These are the ones that we hear about in devotionals. These are the ones that we would see posted all over as Moms of the Year award winners. But God shows up and he meets each of these moms in their story, just as he wants to meet each of you in your lives today, if you'll allow him to. So the first one. Jochebed. How many of you by a show of hands would say you know who Jochebed is? Jochebed, right? This is the one that I said, many of you have probably never heard a name before. And some of you are going to know who she is once I explain who she is. So we turn way back in the Old Testament to the book of Exodus in order to find out who she is. And as I said, many of you don't know who she is by name, but you know who she is as I explain who she is. The first mention of her comes in Exodus chapter 2. This is what it says in verse 1, Acts of chapter 2. It's on the screen behind me. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. That's, how, that's her first reference in Scripture. That's the first time she's referred to in Scripture. doesn't say her name. You actually have to go four chapters further into the book to hear her name for the first time. No wonder why we don't, many of us don't know what her name is. You have to get into the genealogy list. How many of us like reading the genealogy list in the Bible? None of us. But they are important to know so we can figure out who people are and how they fit into the grand scheme of Scripture. But you do probably know this mother simply by the fact is this is Moses' mother. Moses' mother. So Jochebed was blessed with a healthy son, but the circumstances of her life Forced her to give him up. Right? Many of us, we know that. So, the Pharaoh, right? The Pharaoh in Egypt at that time had ordered that all the Hebrew boys at that time be killed. Period. That was the story. If you were a Hebrew boy, you were to be murdered at that time. As soon as they were born, so Jogebed, her baby boy, was not safe from the moment that he had been born, from the moment he took his first breath. So the mother, she had a choice. She said, I had two choices. A, I can hold on to him. I can risk his life. I can risk my own life and my whole family's life, basically. Or B, I can let him go. A, I can risk my life, his life, and my whole family's life. Or B, I can open up my hands and I can let him go. Those are her two options. Right, so we know as the story goes on, what does she do? She puts him in the basket in the river, and she lets him go. And then she, in the Nile River, and he's found by who? Pharaoh's daughter. And he ends up being brought into Pharaoh's family, and he ends up working in Pharaoh's house, right? And and we know the rest of the story. We know what happens with Moses. But she had two options there. Keep him and risk her life and the life of her family, or let him go. But she received the child, she released the child, and eventually she receives the king. But Moses' mother has to give up her son another time. In Exodus chapter 2, if we continue reading, in verses 9 and 10, it tells us this. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So she gave her son up a second time. Not once, twice, she had to give up her son. We often think of how hard it would have been for the mother to send her her son down the floating river. But can you imagine how hard it would have been to have to give him up a second time, knowing that her son was not going to just anyone Her son was going to live in Pharaoh's house, the man who had ordered all of the Hebrew babies to be murdered. What have you had to give up in your life because of circumstances that were beyond your control? Why? What in your life have you had to give up because of circumstances that were beyond your control? Perhaps maybe it was similar to this story and it was a child. Maybe, maybe you were young and you, you weren't ready to have a child. Whatever it may have been, maybe that's the case. Perhaps it was the hope of having a child. Maybe it was a job, a home, a friend. It was some goal you had for yourself. Maybe a dream you had for your child's life. We don't like to surrender things and let them go, right? We like to hold on to. But God promises that at the moment we give up control, He is in control, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Then all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. And we take comfort in knowing that when we don't understand the purpose and we can't see the ultimate outcome, God's purpose is in place. Because again, what do we find in Isaiah 55, 8, and 9? We're reminded that he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The question that Jochebed leaves us with today, where do you need to surrender control to God? Where do you need to surrender control to God? What are you holding on to? That you need to surrender control. What are you holding on to? What do you need to open up your hand and surrender to God? The second lady we're going to talk about this morning is the widow from Zarephath. The widow from Zarephath. First Kings chapter 17. We're told about the prophet Elijah. Who is, he's been hiding out. He's been drinking from a stream, and he's being fed by ravens at this point. When the water runs dry, God instructs him. He says, Go to Zarephath, and there you'll find a widow who will be sitting there. And God has instructed her to feed him. There'll be a widow who will approach you, and when she approaches you, say, Would you please prepare a meal for me? And so he does that. He goes to Zarephath, and, and this lady approaches him. And when he goes to her, he asks for a piece of bread. And this is her reply. 1 Kings 17, verse 12. As surely as the, as the Lord your God gives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This is what the widow says. Basically, she says, I'm going home to make the last meal for my son and I before we die. Because it's all we have left. And and then we're going to die. So this is a pretty grim situation. But this is how Elijah responds in verses 13 to 14 as we keep reading. He says, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So that's what Elijah says. He says, this is what the Lord of Israel says. Make me a small little first, and then make what you are intending to make for yourself and your son. And your oil and your flour will not run out until the Lord sends rain on your land again. So the widow says, she obeys. She does as, as was instructed from Elijah, as what God told them, And it works. Right? Because when God speaks and we obey, it works. God follows through. He does what he says he's going to do every time. Right? And so the flour and the oil miraculously keep flowing. It doesn't run out. And there's enough bread every day for the woman and her son and Elijah who stayed with them at this point. And we don't know how long this arrangement goes on. But the fascinating and challenging part of the mother's story comes at the end. Eventually the widow's son gets sick and he does die. He dies because he gets sick. The woman cries out to Elijah and Elijah cries up to God. And God brings the boy back to life. So the boy dies he's sick and God brings him back to life. And it is then in verse 24 that the widow says this. Now I know that you are a man of God. And the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Now I know, she says. Not after the first miracle, when the flour and the oil didn't run out, for how many of her days or however long a period of time it was this was going on. Only after her son got sick and died and was brought back to life did she finally go, Oh, now I know that you're a son of God. She had doubts. But she didn't let it stop her. She obeyed God's word every day. She kept going to that flour jar and the oil jug. And she kept feeding her family and, and feeding Elijah and kept showing up for dinner. And she kept acting out in obedience, even in the midst of her doubt. Even when she doubted, she remained obedient to what she had been asked to do. And we have a similar promise that comes to us in Philippians 4.19. And it says... And, God, and, may, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. But how often do we live in doubt that this is really true, both for us and for our children, or for our family in general? How often do we doubt that that's actually true? And it's okay. You know why? Because God can handle our doubt. God doesn't sit there and go, oh, you're doubting me? I don't think I'm going I'm, to do it again. Are doubting me? Ah, forget about it. Right? But like the widow, we are still called to act in obedience. Even in our doubts, we're still called to act in obedience. To come to Him daily for our substance, for our provision, even in the midst of our doubts and our questions and our fear, we are still to come to Him in obedience. The mother from Zarephath, the widow here, offers us this question. What do you need to trust God's promises and step out in obedience in, even in the midst of your doubt? Right? So what is this doubt that you're holding on to that you need to let go? Or what is it that you're doubting and it's keeping you from stepping out in obedience? That you need to say, you know what? Even in the midst of this doubt, I'm going to continue to obey what God is asking me to to do. Finally, we're going to look at Bathsheba, right? And often, we we talk about Bathsheba, we we tend to focus on David, and we focus on the sin that took place when we look at Bathsheba. We don't often actually look at Bathsheba as a mother at all. We We tend to totally skip over this idea that, you know what, they had a child, and Bathsheba had to be a mother to the child that they had. In reality, Bathsheba was a victim, right? She was caught in the middle of King David's web of power, adultery, murder, and a cover-up that took place, right? And after King David summons Bathsheba to the palace and, right, he sleeps with her while her husband Uriah is away at war, David tries to bring Uriah home and cover up his sin, right? But it doesn't work. So David ends up having Uriah killed and he takes Bathsheba home eventually to be one of his wives. And we're not told a whole lot about Bathsheba's willingness or her thoughts or even her feelings throughout this whole story. You can read about it in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. But culturally, in that day and age, she didn't really have a lot to say anyhow. She she didn't have much say. If King David wanted to take her as a wife, he could take her as his wife. That's basically, she didn't have much she could say about it. But we're told that she mourns the death of her husband Uriah. We do see that scripture, that she mourns the death of her husband. Then, because God is so displeased with David's actions, the child that she gives birth to dies. The child that she gave birth to dies. Right? So this sounds like what? It sounds like a hopeless situation. It sounds like a hopeless situation. And yet, just a few verses later, we read that David repents... And Bathsheba conceives and gives birth to another son. And what son is this? Solomon. Yes, the king Solomon, right? Even throughout history, for his unsurpassed, or known throughout history for his unsurpassed wisdom and for being one of the greatest kings throughout all of Israel. And even more amazing, Bathsheba, through this son, Solomon, is part of the lineage of who? Jesus, right? The Messiah. So while we can only guess at Bathsheba's response to much of what happened in the story, we are given a clear picture of God working in the midst of circumstances to ultimately redeem her story. So we've got a woman who was mourning the death of her husband and became depressed, and her child died. David asked for repentance. And through this, the relationship was mended. They had a son who went on to become a king and a great king. And there was redemption that took place in the story. So even in the face of ongoing consequences, God's grace covered the situation and he redeemed their story. Why do I share that? Because even in your story... Even in the face of ongoing consequences that may be going on in your story, God's grace can cover them, and God can redeem your story. Why? Because just as there was hope in Bathsheba's story, there is hope in your story today. It's the same hope that we find in the promise of Romans 8.28, which says, And we know that in all things God works to the good of those who love him who have been called, what? According to his purpose. When our hope is in God's redemption, we're able to say, as Joseph did after a long journey through family dysfunction and unfair suffering, combined with God's goodness, this is what he said. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Right? What you intended to harm, God is now using God intended for the good. saving me many lives. Bathsheba is a mother who asked this Are you living a story in need of redemption? So, in what part of your life do you need to live in the hope that God is redeeming your story? In what part of your life do you need to live in the hope that God is redeeming your story? So, as we think about these three mothers in the Old Testament, And picture the mothers we know today were brought to joy. We're brought to today, a day to honor and to celebrate mothers and ask the question, what does a mother really want for Mother's Day? What does a mother want? I think there's there's a few things mothers want. You actually say maybe many, many things, but I think one of the simple things that a mother wants on Mother's Day is something they want every day. It's to be able to fix the broken world that's right around them. To mend the broken hearts that are next to them. To hold the ones that they love tight. To be enough for those that are around them. But the reality is, is they can't. None of us can. And in that dark reality where the mother's heart breaks, where all of our hearts break, there is space for the one who can. And that's Jesus Christ. He is the one who's in control, the one who we can trust to provide, the one who is daily redeeming both the joy and the pain of our stories. Let His grace pour through you and fill every single crack of your life. Not just today when you go to brunch or to wherever you may go to celebrate with your family and your loved ones, as you, you get fresh flowers or gifts from your loved ones, but in your everyday moments, Through the piles of dirty dishes, through the loads of laundry, through the muddy shoes, through the looming deadlines, through the unanswered emails, through the broken curfews, through the harsh words, through the tears that you shed for your family members, through the deep breaths before you lift your head and walk back for more, may you fully walk in God's grace. Why? Because as Apostle Paul so beautifully said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect. And weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ may rest on me. Second Corinthians twelve nine. Right? It's all about God's grace in our life and walking in God's grace and knowing that it is more than sufficient for us. And knowing that you know what, we can't fix every situation. We can't we can't take care of everything that's going on. But we know the one who can. And that's Jesus Christ. And as we allow his grace to work in our lives, God is moving in each and every situation. That is God's promise to every mother and to each and every one of us today. And as we lean into the realities of life, no matter how hard they may be, because real life, right? All the mess of it, all the joy of it, and all the pain of it, is always better than creating a perfect appearance. Real is where grace shows up and draws our heart towards God. So wherever you find yourself today, whether you're needing to surrender control to God, whether you're needing to step into deeper trust and obedience of God in spite of your doubts, or you're hoping that God can redeem your story, let's allow our life to reflect the true heart of a mother, one that's filled with great joy and deep pain, but one that's covered in grace, which is always more... As always, it's such an honor and privilege for me to be able to share on Mother's Day. And we've taken time this morning to sort of reflect on how we can learn from mothers and the way that you have such grace for your families. Moms are strong, courageous, dependable, and you do so incredibly much. And the list could go on and on. And I'm sure, as I mentioned earlier, I continue to learn more and more each and every day what moms truly do. And so, Angie, if you just want to turn that loop on that's on the very top that says Happy Mother's Day. And so, again, moms, thank you so much for each and everything that you do, for your families, for those that you impact each and every day. We can never say thank you enough. From one husband, I represent, I just want to say this on behalf of all the husbands' room, thank you so much for what you do for our families, for our children, and for our extended families. And so before uh, I invite you to come up front and, and we honor you for a moment, I want to read a little piece to you this morning. And I actually read this piece last year on Mother's Day. Um, but I just think it's, I think it's so fitting. And, and I think it's something that someone that may not have been here last year needs to hear, it, or maybe you were here and you just need to hear it again. Um, but I want to share it. It's called Mother's Day. A day to celebrate womanhood. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience experiences lost this year through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or runaways, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of in infertility, fraught with hopes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make it harder than it actually is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with their children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, Heartache and distance from your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of their own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. And we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. Happy Mother's Day. So at this time, if I could get all of our mothers, expected mothers, grandmothers, to come forward at this time, we just want to take a moment to We want to honor you, so if you would, please come forward at this time. And I also want to say, if you're a foster mother, or if you play an important role, maybe you don't have a child of your own, but you've played an important role in the lives of of other individuals, I do want to include you at this time. I would ask that you please come forward at this time as well. So please do that. Angie, feel free to come down. You don't need to stay up there. Yeah. What a blessing God has blessed our church with. And I know there are other mothers who are not able to be here this morning, and we have some who are serving in our, our kids' ministry at this time in different aspects. But God has truly blessed our church in such an amazing way. And we just say thank you so much you. We want to honor you and celebrate you this morning. And so, uh, for those of you uh, who are City, so I want to ask you to just extend your hands forward. We're going to have a moment, and we are just going to pray and ask for God's blessing upon them and their lives, and maybe um, feel free to just be in the place of. So, Father, we just thank you this morning for each and every one of these mothers. We thank you for the blessing, how that they are. Father, to their husbands, to their children, to one another, and to each and every person, Father, that they come into contact. God, you have truly given mothers a special grace, a special touch of patience, and we thank you for that. We thank you so much, God, for the love you have given them. And God, I just pray that not only today, but Father, each and every day, God, that you would just have your hand upon them in just a mighty and miraculous way. God, for it is not an easy task to be a mother no matter what point in life they're in. God, whether they have young ones, whether they have teenagers, whether their children are adults and out of the home at this point. There are challenges at each and every stage. And so, God, I pray that you would meet them right where they are today. God, that you would give them exactly what they need today and minister to them right where they are. Father, for those who are expecting this morning, God, I pray that you continue to prepare them. God, for their child that's coming. God, and the excitement that that brings, but God, also, much work that comes with that. Bring about the energy and the perseverance and the endurance that's needed, and the adjustment, God, that takes place. God, I pray for those who may be in a season of, of trying to add children. God, I pray you would bless them in this time, God, and that you would allow them to have children. God, that you would work out miracles if there are miracles that need to take place. God, because it doesn't matter what doctors have said, that it may be impossible. God, we know that there is nothing that's impossible when you are involved. So, God, I pray that if there is a womb that has been said it's closed, that in Jesus' name, God, that you would open it this morning. God, I pray if there are others that may be looking at adoption or other means, God, I pray that you would open up those avenues, God, that it would be something that you would You would open that door wide open, God, and that you, you would take care of that whole situation, Lord. God, I pray for those who may be either actively in foster care or thinking about this idea of foster care. God, I pray that you You would just uh, help them to know exactly how to handle that situation, God. You take care of all of those details, Lord. God, I pray you would bless them in that effort, God, as it is such a need. God, give them the patience that they need and give them a heart of sympathy and empathy. It is very difficult, Lord. God, I pray for those who have children, God, that have wandered far from you. God, those who have prodigal children. God, I know that mothers, God, are prayer word. God, many of these mothers have been praying, God, for years for their children. God, to come back to you as they, they have grown up in, in, in a home, God, that where they learn the truth and, and have water. God, I pray, God, that these children, God, would, would come back to you. God, that these prayers would be answered. But God, I pray to give them the perseverance to continue to pray. God, they would not quit praying. Help them, Lord, to endure God, give them that energy. Give them that passion. Give them that desire, God, to continue to push through when it seems hopeless. When it seems as though, God, when when is it ever going to happen, God? Give them that strength. Give them that encouragement, God. God, I pray for marriages that may be, God, in difficult places, God. We pray for renewal of marriages. You would work in mighty ways. God, I pray for those who are single, God, that you would bring the right individuals along, that you have in mind for them, Lord, that would be the perfect companions for them, that would be God on God, that would would be equally yoked, that would, would lead them towards you, God. Blessing of wonderful mothers, we pray, God. They give them the strength they need each and every day to continue to do the tasks that You have for them. God, what an honor it is to have been blessed in such wonderful ways. We thank You, work through them. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.